Restore and Reconciliation podcast. This podcast is designed to motivate, encourage, and inspire others through raw, truthful conversations and lived experiences to restore and reconcile relationships. All right, welcome back to Restore Reconciliation. Um, this is another episode of Why 2 I'm your host, Farrell Tynes. This is my beautiful wife, Jennifer Tynes. And today is your day to talk about your why in your relationship. Um, get a little in-depth about your relationship, your first relationship. Um, get a little bit more in-depth, you know, give the people a little bit more in-depth and an insight about your whys. Um, the last place we were at was you just met this gentleman um, you were homeless at the time. Um, you guys had obviously gotten into some altercations. So let's kind of start off right there. Um, if you guys don't know about what we're talking about, please go back to the next ep- the, to the episode before this and catch yourself up. But go ahead and start us off from that point. Um, so at that point, I, w- I was at my lowest of lows. I just got my car repossessed. Um, I want to say the month before I just lost my job. I was homeless. Um my family and I just weren't speaking at the time Mm -hmm. and he had told me he didn't want to be with somebody who couldn't care for themselves and hold down a job. Mm -hmm. Um, so he had told me to get out of his sister's house. And at that time I had some things there at his sister's house that I was getting out of the closet. And of course I was sobbing. I I was very upset. Um, I was heartbroken. Once again, another man in my life, you know, not wanting to anything to do with me, hurting me. Um, so I'm crying and he comes, he flings the door open and grabs me by my hair and tells me to shut up because I'm going to wake his sister's family. up. And he drags me out the front door and then grabs me by my arms, picks me up off my feet and slams me against the stucco wall. Um, and at that point, he kept telling me you need to go. Um, actually, no, I, I apologize. I back up. This is before my car got repossessed because I had to go pick up my car from his nephew who had mm. my car. Gotcha. And um, anyway, so at this point, he takes me back to my car and I'm thinking I have nowhere else to go. Mm. And my father wasn't in my life at this point, but I still had a way of getting a hold of him. And so he was the one I called. I actually called um, my brother's mom, okay. um, my stepmom at the time. And she said there was nothing that she could do. She couldn't come and get me. She couldn't help me. Mm. So I'm, you know, uh, First time I ever been abused, I, you know, was lowest of lows, depressed, um, nowhere to go, had nobody, and I was lost. So, so where did you go that day? So you're, you're outside of the home. Where did, where did you go? What ended up happening? Well, he left. I was waiting for his nephew to come back with my car. Okay. And when his nephew came back, he had come back. Okay. looking for me so yeah. there was a liquor store literally in the same shopping center and i mm. went into the liquor store and told them that i needed to hide and the mm. ju- the liquor store the person working at the liquor store hid me behind the counter so your car was there but you weren't there well because his nephew had my car got you okay 
So, of course, he's, I can hear him. He comes in and he's asking, you know, the gentleman that was working there, have you seen this person? And he describes what I look like. Mm -hmm. And the liquor store owner, or the person working there said no, that he hadn't seen me. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally hiding at his feet. Okay. Um, huge decision I had to make. I had nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, I came out. And there he was very upset because the person in the store lied to him and he took me back to his sister's house that so this so this that night so he just that stayed night. in the liquor store waiting for you to pop he stayed out. in the parking lot okay so he just stayed in the parking lot assuming well, that you he were knew i was going to be close my car gotcha. my car was still there so gotcha. he knew okay. i would come out sooner or later okay um so he sees me comes up to me crying mm -hmm. you know i'm sorry you know, if you wouldn't have lost your job and now your car and all these things that are going on, I wouldn't have gotten so upset. Mm, okay. Don't make me so upset. Okay. And of course, at this time, I've already got bruises showing up on my arms and um, the back of my head was bleeding. And he's like, let's just go to my sister's house. You can shower and we'll get you cleaned up. And so I was in and out of his sister's house. There were nights where I was able to stay because he snuck me in. And then other nights where I was just kind of walking around town and mm. stayed wherever I could. Mm. Um, and then again, I want to say almost two years into the relationship is when we got our own place. So, 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 okay. So hold on a sec. I, I, I just heard it kind of go forward like two years. So I just want to ask you a couple questions. So that incident happened. You're going in and out of your uh, out of his sister's house, mm -hmm. and it took you two years from that day to get your own to get your no, own spot. No, right? two years from the time that we had first gotten together. Okay, so so this this situation happened within a few months within the relationship. So we'll just yeah, about a, about almost a year into the relationship. Okay, so now we're talking another year until you guys got your own spot, right? Mm -hmm. So there that during that time you were going in and out of his sister's house, yes. right? You were still on the street, but there was no incidents from that day, correct? From the time at his sister's house, no, not no. until we moved in together. Okay, so all right, I just, I'm sorry, I just, I just, I just wanted to catch my stuff up and catch the people up. Okay, yeah, continue. I'm sorry. Well, and I'm just kind of going back over what we had already talked about in the last episode. So, gotcha. you know, jumping forward, we got our place. Um, it was a nice little townhouse, mm -hmm. and there was one night that he'd gotten upset with me, and I seen it in his face, and mm -hmm. of course. I took off running up the stairs and I locked myself in the upstairs bathroom. And that's when he told me that I needed to unlock the door before he broke the door down. Okay. Um, I, out of fear, opened the door and that's when he grabbed me by my throat. And all I remember was him yelling at me and telling me that I needed to stop acting the way I was acting. And that was it. When I woke up, I was in the bathroom on the floor by myself. And when I went downstairs, he was downstairs watching TV, eating dinner. Okay, so first off, I wanted to say thank you for for sharing that part of the story. I know that part is hard, walking walking us through um, those, those those physical situations that you guys had. But here here is my question on on a perspective of a male. The way that you're that you're telling the story, I'm really grasping what you're saying. But because I know you, I know what kind of lioness you are. So my question is: in these situations, where are you saying anything back, like? Where were you when, when he was saying something, you just was silent and then ran upstairs, you said nothing back? And the only reason why I'm asking you that because I know you, right? The people don't know you. I know you. So my question was, in this situation, where was your mind state 
at and how are you reacting to this behavior? I was so broken and so afraid. I didn't say anything. What what made you afraid? What in his actions made you afraid? Because he had already put his hands on me before. Okay. I felt he was capable of doing anything. Okay. Because he would get that outraged. You could see the anger in his face. His face would get red and mm-hmm. like like his whole demeanor would just change. So so would you say that he was like a usual like a relaxed guy? He was usually a common collective guy or would you say he was more of an energetic hyper aggressive kind of guy because the, the way I'm hearing the story is like he would just suddenly get into this mood so I, I'm I want to kind of he would gradually get into, into that angry state I mean he was normally mm-hmm. cool I mean very laid-back person gotcha. but when he got mad it was zero to a hundred and mm-hmm. you know five seconds flat gotcha and I'm sure that there's some ladies out there or even men out there that can understand your story that how people can just change. Now, did you guys have any kind of conversations prior to like real in-depth conversations to why he may act this way or why you're even acting this way or reacting this way? There were plenty of conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. There were conversations about what I could do to change. There were conversations about what would make him so mad and why he did what he did. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a lot of the blame game Mm -hmm. um, as a child he was physically abused by his father both him and his mother mm. and so he would apologize and say that that was that's what he was taught got it okay um and of course me being young and him always drilling it into me it's your fault it's your fault it's what mm. you did it's what you did um i wanted to change i wanted to be a good person I wanted to be the wife, the the girlfriend, the whatever to him that I could. Because I felt, you know, again, being depressed and being broken. Because that's what I was. I was broken. Um, and I felt, because that's all he told me was, I'm the only one you have. I'm the only one that cares. Um, I believed it. I believed it. And so... You know, it isolated me from my family. It isolated me from my friends. Um, Because at this point, Andrea and I had lost contact. We we weren't even talking anymore. Okay. Would would you say it's would you would you say it's fair to say that this gentleman, because he was older, right? And you were younger. You were a little bit more naive. He's kind of been through this situation before. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but. Gentleman had obviously girlfriends before you, had baby mamas obviously before you. So he's been down this road before you, right? So he kind of strategically understood the game and how to play the game with the mind of a woman, more or less. Be it if it was played against him, to him, or he learned it, what have you, he learned how to how to play that game. And uh, um, I believe that you sharing this, hopefully it, it sparks some questions. I haven't seen any questions yet, but hopefully this sparks some questions you know, even if you guys don't want to share that, if you guys, you know, have some questions for her, like where was her mind state at? Um, some of the questions I'm asking, I'm, I'm just trying to spark a thought in others to ask, where was your mind state at? Um, how did you feel? How did you react? Um, did you tell anyone? 
Did you have someone to vent to? What were some of the things that you did during those those, those situations? So hopefully I, I want you to continue on the story, but I just want to throw it out there because, again, I haven't seen any questions out there. And, yeah, we're, we're putting this in a story form, but we also want you guys to ask some questions because this is just a real conversation. You know, this is, excuse me, I have a question. Hey, can you ask this question? What have you? Um, and that's kind of where we're at. Um, so if you can continue where you were at, you were saying at this point, he was telling you he was playing the blame game. He was basically operating in a, in a, in a way of not only fear, but blaming. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I know that I was at fault as well. Um, I not had very many relationships, so I really mm -hmm. didn't know my role, mm -hmm. what I shouldn't, should and shouldn't have been doing. Um, and as you said, being a very strong person and independent person, yes, at the beginning, my mouth got me in trouble mm -hmm. and I can admit that, you know, I was very, you're not going to tell me what to do and you're not my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course having the father hurt, mm -hmm. that was a big thing for me is like, you're not going to play my dad. Um, so as I was saying, you know, that was the second time that I, he had physically abused me. Um, I want to say it was a few months after that, that I found out that I was pregnant. So if you can kind of give us a timeline. So you guys were together for a year. Uh, we were together for two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. Then you moved into this, this, this townhouse. And then now here's another year. So we're, we're saying total three. No. This is within two years. Within two years of dating. When we first got together, yes. Got you. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's okay. what I was saying. Got you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, don't, I guess you're lost. <laughs> yeah, um, I was a little lost in the timeline, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm back. No, I'm still within those two years. Got you. Two right. years. So okay. when I say two, it's two. Two. Got it. Right. Um, so at the two-year mark, I find out that I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it is a very big surprise to me because, of course, as soon as I found out that he already had two kids... By two different women. Um, so real quick, when did you find that out? Because on his we, birthday. We had already talked about that a couple episodes. Oh, okay. So on his birthday, on you his found birthday. out what his age was and that he had two baby moms. Yes. On his birthday, I found that out because his mom laughed at me. Gotcha. When I was like, oh, he's going to be 25. And mm -hmm. she just looked at me and go, who are you talking about? Uh, got it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, your son. <laughs> um. And so that's when everything came out. That he was actually, um, what, 32, mm -hmm. 33 years old. And uh, had two kids. So so he was already 14, 15 years older than you and had two kids prior mm -hmm. to you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, having known that, I did start birth control. He didn't want to have any more kids. I was told at a very young age that I was not going to be able to have kids, but we took precautions anyways. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up passing out at work. I wasn't feeling well and I passed out. They called the ambulance. I went to the hospital mm -hmm. and they're like, you're pregnant. And I'm like, no, I can't be pregnant. <laughs> and the doctor, it was like candid camera waiting mm -hmm. for the cameras to come out and be like, just kidding. <laughs> Okay. But no, I, I was pregnant. Um, come to find out, I was actually about three and a half months pregnant when I found out. Mm -hmm. And that's when things got worse. Okay, so things got worse at this point. Things started to get worse. Okay. Um, I actually didn't tell him I was pregnant until I was about four months. Okay, so here I have a question for that. I, and this is this is a real question, and I've never asked you this question before. I've heard this story, and I've never asked this question before. So, 
you did not tell him that you were pregnant in the first three months. Now, we all know the first... I didn't know that I was pregnant. I, I understand that. But I'm just saying, like, we all know that that first three, four months is the real cautious month, right? So once you knew, you knew you were three months. So you let a whole 30 days go by from the, I, I, don't, I forgot what zone it's called, red zone, green zone, whatever. <laughs> They're trimesters. Okay, okay. No, but you know what I mean? Like that danger zone, like that first three the months. first three yeah. months, yes. So, so I was out of the first three months right. and now I was officially pregnant, over pregnant. four months. Correct. And so now you tell them, here's my question to you. Did you purposely do that because yes. you were fill in the blank? I purposely did that for the safety of myself and my son. Because I knew the second I told him I was pregnant, it was going to be all bad. What did you fear? I feared that he would beat me so bad that I would lose my child. Mm. Um, he would basically drag me into the clinic to get an abortion. Mm. Um, and the day I told him, my biggest fear happened. And he put his hands on me and I couldn't even finish telling him I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And he says, you're going to pick the phone up and you're going to go have an abortion. Mm -hmm. So I picked the phone up and I called his mom. Okay. And the look on his face, I'm like, I, I didn't know what else to do. So I called his mom and his mom answers and I just blurt out, I'm pregnant and your son wants me to get an abortion. And she's like, I'm on my way. Got it. So she lived in the Bay Area at the time. So mm -hmm. it took her about an hour and a half and I'm just praying, literally on my knees up in the bathroom praying that she makes it faster. Like mm. well, get, on, get on a private jet something because right. this was going to be my saving grace. And I remember when she got there, I ran down the stairs and opened the door and she went straight over to her son and slapped him in the face mm -hmm. and told him if he ever, ever, ever got anybody else pregnant and he had the nerve to tell him to get an abortion, mm -hmm. she was going to come after him herself. Gotcha. Um, so yes, that is the reason why I kept the pregnancy from him. That okay. was my biggest fear was exactly what happened. Um, I did not lose Isaiah. I, yeah, I, he's, his name's Isaiah. Mm -hmm. um, but I went through a lot. Um, I want to say it was about two weeks after telling him, I then started having complications. I was diagnosed with hyperemesis, which is um, most women, if they have it or have had children, they've heard of it. Um, it's literally where you cannot hold anything down. It's, uh, morning sickness times 20. Okay. So how did that affect your relationship? Oh, he was already upset with the fact that I was pregnant. He wanted nothing to do with me. So now he's out in the streets Okay, so doing his thing and he's hardly ever home. So here, so here's my question to you. So now you're in this, this townhouse, right? You guys are paying rent. Someone has a job. Someone's paying for this townhouse. Mm -hmm. You find out that you're pregnant. Okay. He was physically abusive. You said at this point, um, obviously if there's a physical abuse, there's obviously some kind of mental abuse that goes with that, right? Verbal, so on and so forth, psychological, so on and so forth. Right? So here's my question. You as a woman pregnant, you already had that maternal instinct. I'm not going to tell him that I'm pregnant in the danger zone because I fear. Obviously he told you conversations about his other baby mamas before for you to even feel that on top of 
you feeling the way that you felt because of the physical abuse. So well, he didn't tell me they did. They did. Oh, so they contacted you. Okay. That's a whole nother story. But here's my question. Um, why? And this is a very hard question coming from a husband. Um, why didn't you make a move then knowing the abuse that you encountered before you were pregnant? Now you have a child. Why wasn't your move like, I got to go. I lived on the streets before. I'll live on the streets again. I got to go to a clinic. I got to go to a woman's shelter. I got to go find my father. I got to go do something. Where? Why didn't you make that move? Because I had already reached out to my dad before finding out that I was pregnant mm -hmm. and he wasn't in a place to even have me. He was gotcha. still um, on drugs and mm -hmm. a severe alcoholic. And my mother and I didn't talk. And I seen my brother every once in a while, but we didn't have a very good relationship. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have anywhere to go. So I stayed because I felt that's the only place I had. Good, bad, indifferent. It was the only place I had. And now having a child coming into this world, I literally vowed to myself that I would do anything at this point to try and make this relationship work because coming from a broken home was something I didn't want to have for my child. So not only were you hoping it would be better, you were hoping that he would change. Yes. That's plain and simple. That's, that's kind of what I got from what you said. Um, that's, that's what it sounded like to me. Mm -hmm. Um, so you would hope that him having a child, him being with the baby mama, him seeing you change would change his actions and hopefully he would stay around um, and not be in the streets and so on and so forth. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. So of course, you know, I'm at the beginning of my pregnancy, I get sick and of course our whole live and podcast and everything we're doing is about restore and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And at this point, my mom and I are now starting to talk again and um, to kind of back up when I had passed out at work, I was afraid to call anybody. So I called my mom mm. and of course being young, uh, even as a young adult, a young teenager, mm. my mom would always joke with my brother and I, because of course my mom's only 15 years older than me. She's mm. like, you better not ever make me a grandmother before I'm 40. Mm -hmm. So, of course, now here comes my mom to pick me up from the hospital and I've got to tell her, guess what, mom, I'm pregnant and mm -hmm. you're 38 years old and about to be grandma. <laughs> right, right. It's only two years, but yeah, I got you. <laughs> still, that was a big deal for her. Right. Um, so, my mom and I were kind of talking in between mm -hmm. and I was not about to tell her that I was going through physical and mental abuse. My mom actually didn't know until closer to the end of that relationship. Um, nobody actually knew. Mm. I, I was very, I was very embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I couldn't bring myself to leave. I was embarrassed be, for him mm. because it's something that I never wanted to tell anybody about because I'm like, why would I want to tarnish him? Mm. And people look at him like, what kind of person are you? It was shame on, on both of us is what it was. I think that's a very important statement. And I want to just say how big and how mature 
and how woman of you to make that statement. And if I came in listening to this podcast prior to that statement, it would have sounded like this man was an awful guy, to be honest. It, it would sound that way. And you making that statement was very, very real to say, I was embarrassed for myself. I was embarrassed for him. I knew about his past because we had conversations. I was hoping we could change that. Um, not just me, but our child. Hopefully we can change that trajectory of how you know, our lives are going now. Maybe we can change that with, with this new life coming. Um, I think that was the most ultimate and probably one, excuse me, probably one of the most realest statements. And I think that women really need to hear that because I've heard women say that before. And I think that's real. We're not here to tarnish him, but we're, we're here to talk, you know, tell a real story. But you making that statement was phenomenal. Um, and, and I think women really need to be real with that. And if they're in that space, talk about that, talk with someone about that. But also like me as a man hearing that puts me in a different place of mind. Hearing that you are embarrassed even on his behalf. That's, that was good. I'm sorry. I'm just a little, little, little emotional on that, but, um, go ahead and continue. So in this process, um, my mom was happy. Of course she was upset that I made her a grandmother before 40, but she was actually happy. Um, with him being out of the house and not really wanting to be around me and I love you, Gina. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to get emotional. <laughs> um, this was the start of that. Um, <clears throat> the relationship with my mom mm -hmm. being restored. And my mom started coming around more. And especially when I was really sick, mm -hmm. she would get my medication and she'd bring it to the house and she'd come and see me and she'd go with me to my doctor's appointments because I went by myself. He didn't go with me. Um, his complaint was is that he didn't like doctors and he didn't like hospitals. So I, I did a lot by myself. I was very alone throughout my pregnancy other than my mom. And I was very grateful for my mom. Um, so I will jump to when I was uh, right at my six month mark. I finally was able to get the IV taken out of my leg from being so sick and I was starting to gain weight and keep food down. And um, they finally did my blood work. And I had a scare that Isaiah was going to have Down syndrome. And I had to go in and have a lot of ultrasounds done and I became a very high risk. So I was starting to see the doctor every two weeks. Um, and of course they did all the scans and everything and they said they'd get back to me and nothing was going to be for sure until he was born. So they were just keeping an eye on me and I was constantly having, um, ultrasounds done. And at six and a half months, I went into preterm labor. Hmm. Um, I was at work and they just hit me like a ton of bricks. I literally fell to my knees and my supervisor comes over and I'm like, no, I'm going to drive myself to Tracy because that's where his doctors were. My doctors were. Um, and I called his dad and his dad said, well, you know, I don't like hospitals. So you call me and let me know what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember sitting there and crying and feeling so alone. And at that point, I I really started to contemplate, like, do I stay? Do I go? What do I do? I have nowhere to go. Um, and of course, yeah, my mom and I were still talking and everything and, and that relationship was being restored, but I didn't want to bring that to my mom's house. I, well, you know, the whole reason I got kicked out was because of the way I was living. And, um, you know, I, I, everything ended up being fine. Uh, they gave me medication. I ended up on bed rest for about six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I had to go out on disability from work. And then, um, right around my eighth month, um, I got a phone call, a random phone call from a lady asking for my then fiance. Cause now he's proposed to me. So hold on. So he's proposed to you in your seventh, eighth month of pregnancy? Mm -hmm. My seventh month of pregnancy. Okay. He proposed and figured, well, if we're having a kid and I'm not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, let's get married. And that was literally the conversation. There okay. was no down on one knee, no romantic anything. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, okay. And I said, fine. Um, so now him being my fiance and we moved from... In my seventh month, we moved from being in Mod or, uh, being in Tracy to Modesto. Mm -hmm. And I uh, want to say, yeah, it was about a month in, uh, we had just moved to Modesto and it had been about a month and I get a random phone call from this lady asking for, for him. Um, for him. Mm -hmm. And I asked who she was and she asked me who I was. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I let her know I'm an eight month pregnant fiance. And she gladly let me know that he gave her the phone number and told her to call after 11 o'clock at night. Because I'd be, you know, everybody would be asleep by then and he'd be able to uh, run out of the house. Thank you, Chris. Um, so that's when I found out that he was cheating on me. Okay. And we had gotten into a huge argument. And at this time I had very long hair. It went down past my waist. I was in a very long nightshirt and he reached over screaming at me that he would take my life. And I remember him reaching over the couch and he caught my hair. And all I could think of was, oh my God, my baby. Mm -hmm. And I like literally like went into the fetal position to try and cover my stomach and he drug me over the couch and he's in my face and with his finger pointing at me. And I don't remember what he said, but I remember getting loose and running by the counter in the kitchen and grabbing my phone and literally running out of the front door. And all I could think of, because by this time his mother just bought a house up the street from us. And I'm like, I know it's going to take me like 20 minutes even running, but if I run, I'll get there. Mm -hmm. And I did. I ran barefoot. Eight and a half months pregnant. <laughs> Eight and a half months pregnant down the street in my nightgown to get to his mom's. Mm -hmm. Because I knew I'd be safe. Um... <clears throat> uh, 
And again, I didn't share any of this with my mom because I didn't want people knowing what was going on. And his mom knew because his mom would sometimes be there and they wouldn't say anything. They just told him to leave me alone. Um, and then we'll jump to nine months pregnant and going into labor. Okay. And I'm being told that I'm a hippo, I'm a cow, I'm a whale. He doesn't want to be seen in public with me. So, and... so wait a minute, so wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, I, I understand that you're jumping forward, but my question is, so at this point now, um, you got this call from this lady that said to call before 11. So this is a woman, obviously with woman intuition, because she's calling before 11, obviously, right? She from probably her knew. child's daycare. <laughs> so she knew a woman was going to answer the phone. Let's let's be real on that, right? But at this time, when we're that young, we don't realize that, right? When we're 20, 20-something, we don't really realize that. But this woman calls you. Um, you you have a conversation with him. He reacts to it. He reacts because he's shameful and he's caught. Now, I'm listening to your story very carefully, a lot differently than what I listened to your story before, because I don't believe I was in that frame of mind, in that mature state of mind. But now I'm really, really open open and listening to your story this is now from just you telling the story it's now the fourth time he has done something to shame himself to shame you um you're trying to now not cover it up but like try to make something work because you have this child on the way you came from a broken home you've wanted to build something differently than what you had he's come from a broken home you're trying to help him and assist him into showing him that um, you have your ways of doing things that may not have been correct that might take him off, vice versa, but you're trying. And mm-hmm. you're obviously seeing the small prints of him trying, thus the reason why you're staying, right? Am I, am I kind of in the same page? It was the apologies. The apologies. So, so the apologies. At least he was sorry. Got you. So now you got a, a phone call. So not only did you, if we back up a little bit, you had the situation with your with your dad in the beginning. Actually, I remember now what got us into the fight was this is the first time I defended myself. Got it. I was very upset that I got this phone call. And mm-hmm. when I looked at him and I said the person's name, mm-hmm. I mean, his eyes got as big as saucers. And mm-hmm. he looked at me like, wait, what? Right. <laughs> and... She had hung up at this point, and I had the wireless phone. I'm dating myself. Yeah, I had a wireless (laughs) home phone. Right, right, right. With the antenna and whatnot? Uh Oh, yeah, with the antenna. Uh And I chucked it at his face. Gotcha. No, we're not saying that that's right, but I'm just saying during that situation, that's just a a passionate thought and, and a reaction, correct? But this is the first time that I've gotten so mad that I've physically done something back to him gotcha and that's when he came after me gotcha okay okay then at that point so now you're running so now you've already said that you ran down the street and now you're at, at his mom's house uh, now this is the fourth or fifth scenario and situation that he's put his hands on you this is the first time you've now defended yourself because you have a child so now you're like in this lioness position um then what goes on now what what happens now so he everything calms down um when he would abuse me, it wasn't the physical abuse wasn't all the time. There mm-hmm. would be space in between where it was just the verbal abuse or mm-hmm. he just wouldn't be around. He'd always be gone or right. doing whatever he was doing in the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, now I get closer to um, 
getting ready to deliver we need to go and buy things and i'm like we need to go to the store we need to do things and he would look at me and tell me i'm not going in public with you he's like you already know i don't i'm not attracted to fat women and you're as big as a house you're a hippo you're a whale you're an elephant you're embarrassing i'm not going to be seen in public with you and I'm like, I'm pregnant. Like, I'm not, I'm not like this because I've overate or mm -hmm. I've, I've, you know, health issues, whatever. I'm, I'm pregnant and it didn't matter. I was disgusting and he didn't even, it actually had gotten to a point where he wouldn't sleep in the bed with me. Hmm. Um, and so, the, I mean, I'm literally now at my lowest of lows. I'm going through this pregnancy by myself. Um, like I said, my mom was going to my appointments with me. And now I go into labor and I'm literally by myself because I'm driving myself to the emergency room. They're telling me they can't keep me after hours of being there. I get back home. I'm walking. Um, I'm walking to try and jumpstart labor even more, my, my water break or anything. Mm -hmm. um, I'm walking by myself mm -hmm. and you know, I'm going through all this by myself. Mm -hmm. So then I get to a point of three days into being in labor and the hospital not keeping me that I finally get him and his mom to take me back to the emergency room. And I'm like, I'm not leaving until I have this baby. I can't do anymore I'm, I'm four days in mm -hmm. um and then him and his mom after two hours of sitting in there start complaining that i need to tell the doctor to do something so that they can deliver my baby or tell them i want to go home because they don't want to be in the hospital with me anymore and i just told them to leave mm -hmm. i said just please go i i'm not going and they're not going to allow me to right. do whatever needs to be done right. to have a child. So mm -hmm. you've got to be patient. Um, and at this point, I call my mom because they leave. And I don't want to be there by myself. So I call my mom and I'm like, Mom, I'm in the hospital. I'm going to be giving birth. I want you here. And my mom's like, yay, okay, I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. Well, the biggest surprise, you know, restore and reconciliation the biggest surprise, my mom walks in and my brother walks in with her. Nice. And then my mom gets a phone call and she goes, oh, I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. My aunt and both my cousins show up. And of course I'm thinking, I'm about to have a baby. I don't want all these people in the room. <laughs> right, right, right. It's not the age. But to know <laughs> that the Lord was working on restoring those relationships way back then through my hurt and my brokenness and my secrets because I at this point they didn't know they just thought he was rude and mm. you know had a mouth on him but they didn't know that I was going through the physical abuse um but my my mom and my family were there and of course once they told me I had to go in for an emergency c-section he showed up and mm -hmm. wanted to act like Dad of the year. Gotcha. Um, okay, so now, uh, you know, purposes. Yeah. So, so now, so now that you, you know, you're in the hospital, you have the child, right? Um, kind of take us when you get home with baby. 
Like now you, you've had the child. You, you... Well, I didn't come home with Isaiah. Okay. Um, he was sick and spent two weeks in the hospital after I had had him. Okay. Um, and it was kind of touch and go. And so how was your relationship with him during that time period? I was gone. I spent four days in the hospital and from the time that they released me from being in the hospital and me recovering from having my C-section, I was out in Stockton, um, well, where we are now, Mm. um, living in Modesto. I would travel, get up as early as possible in the morning and I'd be at Dameron Hospital until I got kicked out. I'd come home and sleep to turn around and do it again. So you guys had no relation? Like, no. I'm not talking sex, but I'm talking even communication. No. So there was no communication during this time period? No. At all? No. Hey, hi, how you doing? Fix a coffee? Nothing? Mm-mm. Okay. All right. Go ahead and continue. Um, Sorry. So two weeks went by like that, and mm-hmm. finally Isaiah comes home, and he wants nothing to do with me still. It's all about our son. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to say it was about a year. Mm-hmm. That um, I, once I had Isaiah, that the verbal abuse continued, but the physical didn't happen. Mm. Um, and it actually, it wasn't a year. It was about, I want to say he was about nine or ten months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a Thanksgiving, and I was late coming home because the traffic, I literally sat in four-hour traffic to mm. get from Livermore to Modesto. Um, and my car overheated. And so I'm literally a couple blocks away from the house. He calls and he's accusing me of sleeping around with somebody and not being at home where I needed to be. My son was missing me and I needed to video chat him so that he could see where I was. Mm-hmm. To send him pictures, actually, it wasn't video chat. It was just to send him pictures. And I'm literally taking pictures of the car broke down, overheated. I'm at the gas station on the mm-hmm. corner. And he's like, I'm on my way. And I'm like, you don't have to be on your way. The baby's asleep. I'm, I'll be there in a few minutes. Well, I finally get the car up and running. Get to the... Finally pull up to the light. And he's at the opposite light. He gets out of his car and he's screaming across the intersection, telling me when the light turns green to pull over. And I look and I'm like, okay, the f- just the fear. Mm-hmm. And I see the McDonald's drive through window and there's a person standing there. So I purposely pull over in front of the window mm-hmm. where the person's at so that if anything happened, they could see. Um, I pull over, he pulls up behind me, jumps out of his car and I'm trying to roll the window down because of course my window's old school. I didn't have the automatic, automatic. it was manual. Mm-hmm. And as I'm trying to get the window down, he literally walks up and puts his hand through my window, busts my window. So I've got glass all over me and he grabs me by my throat and he's screaming at me. And the only thing I can think of is where's my son? Mm -hmm. And he says, he's at home in bed. And I'm like, that means you left my, you know, nine month old child at home. Mm -hmm. And so of course he lets me go. Um, the person in the drive-thru never even called anybody. Uh, he got back in his car, told me to meet him at the house. And I let him go in front of me and uh, went to his mom's house. And just cried. I, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I just want my son. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, okay, let's go to the house. They We went back to the house. I tried to get Isaiah. Um, but then they decided to leave. They just said, work it out. And they left me. And I stayed. And it went on like that, off and on with abuse and everything for eight and a half years. Um, When my son turned a year old, you know, just 
God has always had his hand on me because when Isaiah turned a year old, we lost his dad's dad. Okay. And that's when I realized whatever I had going on between me and my family, it had nothing to do with my son. And at that point, I started reaching out to my family. I reached out to my dad was the first person and let him know that he had a grandchild. My dad quit drinking and doing drugs that day. And I'm happy to say that he's been clean and sober for 17, 16 years now. That's, that's phenomenal. And the Lord has restored that that relationship, you know, throughout that the the last, latter part of those eight and a half years I was with his dad. Um, and well, then restored. Uh, well, before, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it sounds like you said eight years, like you were, you were going really, really far. And I understand, you know, we're at a time restraint, but I, I wanted to kind of ask you about, so your child a year, you were, you were fiance at some point. Did you guys get married? Yeah, we did. Okay. And, and when was that? Can you take us through that? We got married five years into the relationship. So Isaiah was three. Okay. And then did it go, go on a little bit about about that how did it really wasn't a marriage it was just a roommate situation um the physical abuse continued the the emotional and mental abuse continued um it, it was it was really tough especially having a child that was now witnessing it and i was just at a point where I was willing to do anything just to get him to stop because I didn't want my son to witness it anymore. So if you can give us um, an example. So now you're married, right? And I think this is, this is restoring reconciliation, but let's be honest, right? We're all adults or maybe there's some youngsters listening to this. When you get married, there's a difference. There's a change that happens, right? You guys took this vow, right? And so where were you at mentally? You had already been at that state of saying, hopefully certain things have changed. And just to be honest with you, as I'm listening to your story, I just want to, for me, the, the picture that's being painted to me is that your child was a miracle child that you weren't supposed to have in the first place. Yes. Then you have this miracle child. This child now brings a broken relationship that you had with your mother and that side of the family together because you called her just to be there when you were pregnant and you called her during these certain situations, not even knowing that she was going to be there, but she stopped doing what, and whatever you guys had the situation with, she stopped it. She hashed it out for that moment to deal with her daughter. Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then she brought other people within there, like your brother and stuff like that. Right. Then you told your father that he's having a grandchild. And from that day, from that day forward, he's been sober. So I'm I'm just telling you that again I'm listening to the story from different ears. Your child was a part of that that godly miracle that made those things happen. He was he was that 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 person that that person in the middle to make those things happen. But now you're in a marriage, right? Now you're you he's 3 years old, you're in this marriage. Things do change when people get in marriages. That just it's just the way it happens. So if you can kind of give us a, a couple of stories cuz you said it continued. If you can give us a few stories like from well, your own words in regards due to, to time restraints. I mean, it was just the same. It was, mm -hmm. um, me being told that I was cheating when really he was cheating. Mm -hmm. He was uh, accusing me of sleeping with the 17 year old kid up the street from where we lived. Mm -hmm. Um, when really I was actually helping his mother take care of her five kids and mm -hmm. she was an unmedicated bipolar. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there was just, there was many different things that happened, um, off and on throughout our marriage of three years. And that's when I actually found out that from the time that we even got married till the day I left, he was sleeping with my so-called best friend. Her husband came and told me because he caught them. Wow. So question prior to that, why did you stay? I wanted it to work for my son. I didn't want my son to be in a broken, you know, from a broken home. Um, I still didn't have a very good relationship with my mom, even though she was around. It was on the mend, but definitely didn't want to live there. Um, My dad was still in the beginning stages of his sobriety and... I just felt like I I had to stay. I had to stay because I didn't want to be the woman that left and came back and left and came back. I stayed until I couldn't stay anymore because when I left, I was going to leave for good. Hmm. And and I think that's a common common conversation and a common statement that a lot of women have that they stay because they have a child. I haven't heard too many, my, personally, I haven't heard too many stories that women stayed when they didn't have a child, right? And when you told me that story, that now makes sense when women don't have a child, why they stay. And then once they have a child with that same individual, why they even stay even more like, why is it more such an in-depth reason? Because neither one of them want to come from a broken home uh, or have a have a broken um, home within the, you know, the child that they're, that they're having. So I completely understand that and I think that's a real real statement and I think a lot of people need to hear that um that at some point you got the courage to leave um and if you can kind of real quickly take us through that you said you left so if you could just take us through that real quick what was what was that like how how was that how did that day go by the grace of God Mm. my dad had actually moved to Modesto Mm. from living in the Bay Area and had been in Modesto for a couple years and actually got to witness him be verbally abusive to me. Mm-hmm. And my dad was going to knock his lights out. Mm-hmm. He was done. He's like, nope, nobody is going to disrespect my daughter. And mind you, I'm the only girl. Right. And my dad has three sons. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, he's very protective of me. But any dad would be protective of any of their daughters, even if they had all five daughters. Right, true. Um, in this situation. And it got to a point where he ended up putting hands on my dad. And Mm. that's when I said enough was enough. It was one thing to put hands on me. He wasn't going to start abusing my family. Mm -hmm. And I told my dad, I said, if I leave, I have to have somewhere to go. Mm. And my dad said, my door is always open. And I got up one morning and... There was just this calm. And I told him I wanted to talk to him. And I looked him in his face and told him I was leaving. I said I was done. Um, I had asked several times throughout the the relationship to go to counseling. And he said no. That he wasn't going to talk to a stranger about his personal business. That we could work through it. And I told him I had enough. That he wasn't willing to work on anything. And... I was starting to love myself enough to know that I didn't deserve what he was giving me. And I just prayed that I didn't lose my life that day. 
um, I left him everything. Mm-hmm. I packed my clothes, took my son, and I left. And by the grace of God, he had his words, but he didn't dare come near me. He didn't come near me at all. Wow. Um. And that was the day that the relationship with my dad truly started to mend when I moved in with him. That's awesome. Um, first and foremost, in, in closing, I want to say thank you for your bravery. Um, although people talk about their stories and there's so many, you know, years that can pass and, you know, you can go through, you know, counseling, you can go through things like that. There's, there's still emotion attached to that. There's still things that you work on that daily. It's like grief, you know, there's, there's never a time where it's completely over. So I just want to tell you that I'm very proud of you for sharing that with the world. Like this is the world, right? And I'm very proud of you. And in no way are we trying to down the gentleman in no way are we trying to, you know, hurt the, the father or your son. We're just speaking your truth and hopefully it gets to some women and some men, you know, in that situation and, and help them with the voice, right? Help the men, not only relationships with themselves, but relationships with their family members that, that were, that were broken. Um, and the, the relationships that were restored within my, my journey, right? you know, first my mom and then my brother and then my stepdad, mm-hmm. and then ultimately my dad. Right, right. I, I, I just personally, my, myself, I just want to make it clear out there because this can be listened to at any time. I just want to, you know, I wanted to make sure it was out there. But um, the jewels out of this is that, you know, God stepped in and, and you gave him a chance to to restore and, and, and reconcile these relationships. Um, I believe, this is just my personal belief, that your son was used, used as a vessel for that. There were so many things within your story that could be nothing but God. You weren't supposed to have a child. Boom, you have a child. You know what I mean? You were already in a bad relationship with your family. Boom, they come back. You know, you guys are work. You know, you guys are working on that. Your your, your father had all these many years of of of, uh, of drinking and drugs, and then he stops because of the knowledge that he's going to be a grandfather. So all these things um, came in, in in a time where God had to step in, and you had to have enough courage to let him mm-hmm. right I, I think a lot of people think that sometimes God is a magic trick but you actually took the time out to to give people chances and to and to say you know what I'm gonna forgive and forget not forget but I'm gonna forgive and try to learn from it and try to heal the things that I've messed up on and try to help right and I, and I think that's just awesome your, your story is very touching I, I hope that people really tuned in and listened um, to it it's coming from a male's perspective all I can say is that that's you're a superwoman for sharing that and I'm just going to keep saying that I'm sorry it's just it, it's just amazing you sharing that and because you're sharing it to me and you're sharing it to them a whole lot different than the story I heard the first time and I can see now it's not that you're 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 proud of it, of the things that you went through, but I think that you understand that that made you into a superwoman that you are right now. Like you had to go through those things and you learned from those things and you got the lessons out of those things and you're continuing to grow from those things. So when you're telling the story, it's not the same. The difference between then and now, Mm -hmm. I was a victim then. Mm. I'm a survivor now. Ooh, that's big. Jules. Jules, you're dropping jewels right there. Yeah, nice. 
So let's go ahead and, and close it right there. Again, um, I'm, I'm so amazed that my wife was able to tell this story. It's still a hard story for me to listen to, but um, I hope I hope I hope someone heard this story and and is getting something from it. Um, and to- ask questions. I know that it's kind of hard to post here. Mm-hmm. Um, those that have my phone number, reach out to me. Right. Talk to me. Yeah, it's about the you know I'm telling this story about what I've gone through to show the relationships that have been restored and the situations reconciled throughout my life and what I've gone through. But even if it's just about the abuse and what I've gone through and how I got through it and the the steps that I took, I'm open for anything. Just send me a message. You can personal message me here on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever you guys want and just, you know, reach out. I'll ask, I'll answer your questions. Um, Instagram's about to shut down. So we're not going to do any shout outs today. We're just going to say, think about what you heard. Listen, contact us. Thank you for watching. Have a good night. Restored and Reconciliation Podcast believes in supporting entrepreneurs and local businesses. Scented Memories provides unique, high-quality products aimed to invoke loving memories, warm the heart, and revitalize the senses. Who's stuck at home, not wanting to go to a gym, but still wants to work out? Or maybe you are at a gym, but just don't know what to do. Fear no more with the power to devour. At Braleon Fitness, it is my mission to provide superior virtual home and gym training through accountability to build upon your fitness goals. Claim your dream body today by signing up for a three-month course in which we will obtain a healthy lifestyle for years to come. Coco Love Care is natural, organic, alkaline, vegan, homemade, and cruelty-free hair and skin products. For more info, go to CocoLoveCare.com. Hey, this is Troy from Troy's House of Fish and Chips where we bring a new and approved take on fried fish, as well as our famous unleavened muffins. You can reach us at TGCali67, that's T-G-C-A-L-L-I-67 on Instagram, where your taste matters. Stockton Rags stands for Restore Art and Graphic Styles. It's a mentoring-based design screen printing program located in the heart of Stockton, California. Please follow us on Instagram at Stockton Rags or Restore Stockton info at RestoreStockton.com. Restore Stockton is a nonprofit organization. Their mission is to see restoration in people's lives and in their city, socially, physically, economically, and spiritually through restoring, education, mentoring, and training. Restore, encourage, empower, equip. For more information, please visit 
www.RestoreOurCity.com.